Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The light shines on us today um, from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth as we conclude chapter 8, right in the middle of Paul's proclamation of God's grace and exhortation to be generous kind of a little bit of a change. He explains to the church of Corinth how we are going to how they are going to faithfully get this great collection and money to the needy saints of Jerusalem. Thanks for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime anywhere. I'm your host Brady Finner and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of thy strong word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org to help us be strengthened by God's word this morning, we have with us Pastor Stephen Tice, um, I believe a vacancy pastor at Hanover Lutheran Church in Cape Girardeau in Missouri. Pastor Tice, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, sir. Good morning to you. And uh, just to give you the, the quick update on that last statement, I am Please. serving the vacancy at Hanover until the beginning of February. The uh, pastor of the congregation called to serve them will God willing, everything going as planned currently being be installed the first Sunday in February. So I, I'm serving there for another three weeks. God willing. Very good. And you have plans after that, Pastor? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there'll, there'll be another congregation that will need my assistance. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, and that kind of segues into this. Pastor Tice, you've been on KFUO for a, a while. Do you have any idea how long you've been on KFUO? Well, I was just reflecting this morning that uh, you would be the fifth host for this pastor's Bible study program, different names over the years, but you're the fifth host that I've worked with. Started somewhere back around the year 2000, so 20 years is my guess. Very good. Well, I do remember when I was in seminary, I went to seminary in 2002 to 2006, I do remember listening to you on the Bible study on my way to seminary. So, um I can All verify right. you were there in those years. <laughs> well, you know, this is the grace of God hard at work. He, he continues to use you and me and the gifts and servants of his church wherever he can. But as you mentioned before, this is about the word, the word that's written for us and the word that became flesh. And so we, uh, we continue to enjoy the chance to, to, to investigate and to be taught by the Holy Spirit through the word. So it's a, ble a blessing and joy to be with you today. Thank you for including me. You too, Pastor Tice. You too. You know, I'll, I'll say this one thing before we dig in is uh, my dad, my dad's a pastor and he retired, well, quote unquote, retired. And he had this growing up, he had this coffee cup and it said a pastor never retires. He just um, he moves on to reverend. Can you can you tell me what that means? I never understood that. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, uh, I I, I remember the the similar statement, which was slightly different. Uh, the, uh, the 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 similar phrase would be that uh, we never retire; we just go on to pastor. So, oh, that's good. That's good. I like that. Go on to reverend. I'm not sure what that means. So, you know, I don't yeah, know either. Maybe. <laughs> I always tell I always tell people, you know, if you're listening today, for our listeners, that if you have a subject that I bring up um, and you don't understand, do a paper on it and send it to me via email, and we'll figure it out. So, anyways, so if, if anybody has information on that coffee cup, 
please send us a two-page paper on it, if not more. So anyways, but let's get to this, Pastor. We are searching the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And Pastor, can you begin us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And gracious Lord, we rejoice in your gifts to the church you gave to us our Savior Jesus, because you loved us with an everlasting love even before the foundation of the world, before any of us came to be, you had already planned that we would be saved through Christ. Lord, we ask your blessing upon all those suffering at this time due to health problems or financial distress or relational disruption due to the coronavirus and the impact it's had in our country and in our world on your church. We also ask that you would give calm, peace, and civility to each of us in our relationships and interactions with other people, that together as your people, we might proclaim Jesus Christ, that as Paul and Titus and the other brothers served the church in their day, we too might serve today, knowing that our service is for your glory and the good of your people. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, knowing that you indeed grant what we need, even before we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Tice, 2 Corinthians, I've been reflecting on this the whole time I've been studying. It's an interesting book, um, first of all, because often we we remember 1 Corinthians very well. 2 Corinthians kind of, sometimes you read it, sometimes you don't. Uh, we look at 8 and 9 specifically for stewardship types of things. And yesterday we were blessed to have President Harrison on. He's done a lot of work on the idea of mercy and compassion and the, the great collection. And when we come to our verses today, it's kind of that part, once again, of eight and nine that people kind of read it, but they kind of gloss over it and get to the next, you know, next part. And and so do you have any, um, we look at this, do you have any um, introductory or background things that you wanted to highlight? Because I'm excited to get into this text because I was reading, I was like, I didn't know that. This is great. Um, so introductory things, background information you want to start us off with? Well, I think that one of the things that's very obvious here, and it's clear in the book of Acts, but we tend not to, to give attention to it. And I'm going to say partly because we come across these names that are written for us in a um, Greek text, and then somewhere through the years got morphed into other language representations. And we don't remember that Paul regularly talks about all his co-workers. He talks about the, the ministry blessed by others helping him. And as we, we read through Acts, we hear about Paul and Silas and Timothy, and, and we'll hear about um, the work that he does with Barnabas, and Luke is referred to there as well. But we, we often overlook the fact that there are a multitude of other co-workers who assist Paul or are used by God to strengthen Paul. And this, this picture of the church is always a group of people working together in service to God. Now, in, in the first letter, Paul makes it abundantly clear that he planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. That's one thing about Paul. He's always saying, it's never been me, it's the message I bring. And that's highlighted in this particular section today, too. It's the message, not the messenger, that gets the attention. And the messengers are important. And they're recognized as gifts from God, but the key is still the message. That's a wonderful way to say it, because think about how many names that Paul will use throughout all of his epistles. 
that you either hear a lot about him or a little about him or even hear. We don't even hear their name, but yet he was very good at highlighting other people to give them credit. Mm -hmm. and, and this highlights today, too, and I'll highlight this a little bit later, is that at the end of the day, he wants to make sure that this collection that he is gathering, um, a little background, the collection was a, there was a famine in Jerusalem. There was a lot of needy saints, government problems, uh, financial um, um, famine type of things going on there. And so he's going throughout Macedonia and to Corinth and collecting this money for those saints. And, um, and one of his main things and thing that runs through today is that he wants to make sure that the churches get the credit for giving this as opposed to him. And that goes with the people too. He commends these people. And so I, I never thought much about that. He kind of deflects from himself all the time and either points you to Jesus or even to other people. Any thoughts on that, Pastor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this is, uh, when Paul writes other places, we hear him saying these words, I, I won't boast in myself, I'll boast in Christ who has yeah. redeemed me. I'll boast in what Christ has done. And when he talks about himself, what we discover is Paul is always identifying the fact that he is, in his own mind, not worthy of the work he does, that it's God's grace that's lifted him up. And I think, specifically, my personal bias is he's doing this for three direct reasons. One is he's convinced it's true. He, he's just amazed at the grace of God who picked him up from where he was and made him an apostle, even though he'd been an enemy of the church. Second reason is he does not want anyone to say that Paul is the reason they follow Jesus. He wants it to be mm -hmm. clear that they follow Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit and because of who Jesus is. And I think the third purpose is to help others identify the fact, as you mentioned earlier, that the credit should always be shared within the people of God because God works within the body of Christ. And so he's, he's using himself as a model of how to give credit to the whole church, which is the body of Christ, Christ the head. So ultimately, Christ gets the glory when his church is recognized as serving God properly. And that's ideally what you and I want to do, too, as pastors. We want to point people to Jesus. We want them to see Jesus in what we say. And what we really want them to do is not see us. And this is good. I, I just want to say one more thing with this is because there's this wonderful picture of John the Baptist. And he um, has this, this is a normal John the Baptist, you know, wearing the clothing and, and camel's hair and all this stuff. And then you have a picture of him pointing to the Lamb of God. And his finger is enormously long. I don't know if you've seen this picture. It's a wonderful picture. And it's huge. I mean, it's long. And I have very small hands, so it's kind of like I'm kind of coveting a little bit. But but he's pointing, and it just shows that emphasis of pointing away from him and pointing to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's probably a picture that we should think of Paul as well. I've never thought about this, is that here is Paul pointing away from himself and pointing to the Lamb of God. So there's another one. Maybe if someone wants to paint a picture of the Apostle Paul pointing like that, that's uh, another thing someone could do. I can't. I don't know. Are you a good art? Are you an artist, yeah. Pastor? I am. I am not gifted in in certain kinds of artwork, and and uh, you know, <laughs> drawing human beings is not one I do well. Gotcha. So we won't worry about that. I wanted to highlight one thing for everybody. Yesterday, like I said, we had President Harrison on, and he has written a wonderful small book called "Remember the Poor: How the Earliest Christians Cared for the Poor," specifically looking at verse by verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And in that book, he's, he points to this as the legal section 
of chapters eight and nine, showing the legalities that went into them making sure that the that the money went to the right people. And hopefully we can unpack that as we get into this today. Um, mm -hmm. So let's open up our Bibles and let's get to it. Let us begin in verses 16 and 17. And reminder to our listeners, we are listening or we are reading from uh, the English Standard Version. Paul says, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care that I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you on his own accord. Thoughts on those first two verses, Pastor? Yeah, we're looking at, at this man, Titus, who is, again, a, co a co-worker with Paul. But what Paul is getting at here is the heart or the attitude of Titus. And he uses, uses literally that word, in the heart of Titus. You have this earnest care concern, not just in me, Paul, but in my co-worker, Titus. We both get it from Jesus. We both get it from God. But what he's identifying here is the clear understanding that Titus is the one who is coming as God's representative. This is the power and strength that he gets because, as, as Paul puts it, God put it into the heart of Titus. Not only has mm. he said, okay, mm. I'll go and do the job, he's delighted to do the job because he wants to serve you and he wants to help you serve. I think uh, we look at these words perhaps and, and miss them a little bit, but it's, it's this whole understanding that it's the power of the desire of the, the giving that God's putting into the hearts of the, the people in the city of Corinth. And, and at the same time, Titus has this great desire to let them give. Um, back in verse 6, it, it, Paul said, you know, I urged Titus, and what's going on here is a different kind of thing. God is filling Titus with this same great desire that Paul had for the people of Corinth. And what we say is, is this is Titus's own choice. Titus says, not only will I go, I want to go. Um, reminds me of years ago, there was a movie made. Uh, of the play uh, My Fair Lady. Uh, and hmm. the uh, one character is, is saying, I'm willing, I'm wanting, I'm waiting. You know, the, the repetition of those particular words. That's the kind of image I get here of, of Titus. He can't wait to get there. He's thrilled to be part of this work with the Corinthian Christians. And that, that's a great um, overview because you look at Titus, he's, he's a fascinating, um, fascinating person because he had left Corinth and brought good news to Paul. And it talks about this, that it, it brought refreshment to Titus and refreshment to Paul and the others in Macedonia. And, and here, not only is he excited that he was there, because, you know, there's sometimes you go somewhere and you're excited you were there. You come back home and now oh, it's good to be home. It's good to be away from there necessarily. Now he wants to go back. And as you said so well, actually, I have to admit, I kind of miss this a little bit. But thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus, meaning this was something that God gave to him, an earnest desire. Um, Dr. Harrison 
talks about how that's an eager, active desire, meaning he was not just wanting to go. It's kind of like a Minnesotan who's ready to go to Florida in the winter. You know, he's uh-huh. <laughs> they're ready to get out and ready to go where they want to go. Um, and Paul not only accepts it, but is ready to move forward on his own accord. Paul does this a lot throughout the um, these two chapters, especially, is that he wants to make sure that everyone knows that the life of the Christian is a life of conviction, not coercion, um, that he's going on his own will. This is not me. I didn't try to convince him like a salesman. Um, this is something that God put on his heart and he wants to do. So that that adds a lot when the Corinthians would read this to know that this guy's not here just for any other reason. Thoughts on these? I mean, other thoughts on this? You, you summarize it so well. Well, I think the, uh, the recognition is that Titus is, is being officially sent as Paul's representative. He's coming at Paul's request. And so when he gets there, the, the people of that city, uh, you say Corinth, I say Corinth. I don't know which one's right, but <laughs> I'm not, uh, it's a Minnesota. He's still yeah. there. Yeah. They, I could go there and find out, but you know, it's a long trip for that purpose. Um, the, the whole, the whole understanding is that, that he's going to go there as representative of the apostle so that Paul himself is saying, see him as me among you, just like you sent him back here in, in the last time I had sent a letter, and, and he's reported how, how great that was to be among you. You know, the, the joy of Titus, because he, he was refreshed by you, now he's getting a chance to return the favor, if I can use that phrase. And, mm-hmm. and so I see a... And this we we tend to miss this, but you know, it was a close relationship. Paul was eighteen months in that city with those Christians. It's not like he was a a, a uh, expert from out of town, stopped in to deliver a, a special lecture, and then went on. He was there with them. He grew with them. You know, the Lord allows us to do this as pastors. We we see this happening for ourselves. Other people learn something or go through something, and as we walk through this with them. The Holy Spirit teaches us, and we grow. And so part, part of what's happening here is Paul is looking forward to the, the great benefit the Corinthian Christians will get from Titus being among them. But at the same time, he's remembering how great it was for him to be welcomed in that community. So there's, there's always a depth we, I think, academically, we separate out the, the humanity of, of these apostles um, and servants of Christ until we get back into the own our own life within a, a parish setting within the family of God, where we recognize that we get joy out of being in the presence of God's people. And Paul wants that both for the, the congregation, the sending Titus to and for Titus himself. That's really, that's really profound um, because you, that's one thing that has been challenging when you read his letters is that you take out the human aspect of it. And to look at this mm-hmm. with that reality of, like you said, he was there 18 months. He was there, um, this was a, a long relationship. Whenever you're with anybody for 18 months, that you build those kind of relationships. So he's sending Titus. Um, I, I was reading a commentary that talked about it was one a legal reality that I'm sending him. I'm writing this because he is my legal representative. This is where the legal section gets into this. But in the same way that not only am I sending him, but he has the same desire I do for you. That he has the same, we're in the same faith, if you will, the same confession, same everything. And part of that's an emotional connection he has, a, a, called a, a soul care kind of connection. 
And, and that's really profound for you to, to say that and to remind her as we look at the rest, why he says these words has to do with the relationship that they have. Last thoughts before we get to the next uh, few verses here, Pastor. Um, just that, that uh, Titus is going as a, as a part of a, a group effort, and you mentioned the term, the legal uh, aspect mm-hmm. of what's going on here. Uh, I think it's important to recognize uh, we'll see that there are going to be two or three witnesses involved in this process. So there's something else implied here, too. Oh, good point. Yeah, good point. So let's get to yeah. let's get to verse 18. Um, here we go. Verse 18. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. So any idea who this brother is, Pastor? Well, I'm going to reflect on that based on the writings of uh, the church father Eusebius. Eusebius himself identifies that Luke is referred to uh, in Paul's speaking. And and, now Eusebius himself died, um, was born 260 AD, long after Paul is dead. But he writes that in his time, the people were still saying that Paul used to refer to my gospel— and when he was saying my gospel, he meant the gospel written by Luke. Huh. So my personal opinion, and others share this opinion, although it's an opinion, not a fact, is that this is actually Luke. Because his fame or praise throughout the congregations, all the churches, is in connection with the gospel. The word preaching isn't in the Greek here. So, so the word preaching is supplied by the translator because he thinks it makes more sense. That's fine. I don't mind. But it doesn't say he preached it. It says it's the gospel. So he is known throughout all the churches and was voted as our traveling companion in disgrace. Well, if he traveled with Paul, who's famous for the gospel traveling with Paul? It's Luke. Well, that's great. That's great. I heard. I saw some of that. I heard others that wrote, uh, we just don't know. But we do know that he is known for the gospel, which is interesting thought mm-hmm. of uh, going to the church fathers, because that you know we can't say that that definitely isn't true, um, but we have a lot, still a lot of question marks with it. But the big thing is that he's bringing a rock star. <laughs> he's yeah, bringing a rock absolutely. star with, and he is, and there's no doubt about it that this guy is going to bring the gospel. He's not only there for legal reasons, like okay, we have a witness here. Um, he's not only voted in. Um, representing, but he is also known well throughout the, the, the whole area, the Macedonian churches, as being a man of the gospel. But I think we're going to have to take a break here, Pastor. Um, we are studying Second Corinthians chapter 8 with Pastor Stephen Tice as we are concluding these wonderful verses, um, and we'll, we'll be right back. This Thursday, January 21st, 2021, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, John and Kim Beaker of St. Louis, Missouri, as they give thanks to the Lord for the blessing of family. 
Sean and Kim made a gift to KFUO Radio in honor of their granddaughter, Catherine Elizabeth, and in celebration of her baptismal anniversary today. Thank you, John and Kim Beaker, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Thursday on Issues Etc., we'll get an introduction to the book of Revelation from Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, and we'll continue our series, The Sacred Names of God, with Dr. Kevin Golden, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, Blessed Be His Name. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Being confused is sometimes called getting yourself all turned around, and it's a negative thing. But in the spiritual life, turning is often a positive thing, and music can encourage a person to keep turning, turning, till they come round right. Join us on the next Sing for Joy. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Welcome back. We are concluding our study of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with Pastor Stephen Tice. And we are beginning to speak about Titus. We're speaking about the other brother. Is it Luke? Is it not? But we do know one thing, that it is truly, he is a man about the gospel. And I'm kind of realizing here, Pastor, I should have read verse 19 uh, as we were looking at this. It will explain a little bit more of what we're saying. So let's read it right now. Verse 19. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our good will. That would have been helpful as we talked about this before, but pastor, what is verse 19 telling us? They're telling us that we have here an individual who is appointed officially to go along with them from place to place in part of this, gathering together of the offering. This is in response to the, the prophecy of Agabus that there would be a famine in Jerusalem, Judea. And so the Christian churches in other parts of the Mediterranean world are having a, a relief effort, if you will. They basically have said, up front, there's a disaster of famine coming. We're going to gather the gifts for God's people ahead of time and then they send the message out to the churches saying, hey, Agabus has told us the Lord's going to allow a famine. We're going to come and help gather support for the brothers and sisters in Christ down in Judea. We'll send somebody to come pick up your offering. And that's where Paul talks about, you know, each one of you on the first day of the week set aside in proportion to what God has blessed him with. Why? So that when we get there, we don't have to ask you, can you go around and gather this stuff up? If you follow the context of this particular offering being gathered, it is something that really is church-wide. It's the whole Christian church in this Mediterranean basin. When I say that, we're going all the way over to, to Rome and out to uh, Hippo, where Augustine was bishop, all those places that, that have Christian congregations. And so this, this is more than just a uh, man of, of significance. He's, as you point out, a rock star. But he's also been <laughs> voted or appointed as traveling companion so that the glory might be God's and wow. the readiness so that nobody is blamed 
when we bring in the bounty that, well, you didn't try hard enough or you didn't put in your best effort. We're sending out, you use the term rock star, we're sending out the most influential, best-known person we can find in the church, other than Paul at this point in time. I don't know who that is. We're not told. Fascinatingly enough, of course, when Titus shows up in town, they'll all know who it is, but that's never recorded for us because we don't need to know the Corinthians found out. So we're looking at a an individual who is sent along so that God's glory might be magnified. Think about that. They mm-hmm. picked this guy so God would get more glory. It's not normally and how might... we go up picking. Right, right. And one thing, too, he doesn't say his name, and that might be intentional as well, you know, to say, well, to God be the glory, not mine. And so this guy's coming, and just so you know, he's there to give glory to God himself and to show our goodwill. And that's this is is very good. You really unpack that very well, Pastor, as a reminder of the great collection. And this is something that just, you know, you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and we will use it often for stewardship. And we just kind of, we kind of are just a little bit off because he said, this is a church wide thing. This wasn't for the individual church in Corinth to be able to build a new sanctuary. This was the whole church. And are, are you, are you suggesting, I guess I never thought about this. So I'm not even questioning, but you're suggesting that even going down to um, uh, around the world that the, the church was doing this. Is that what you're saying? I, I would think yes. To the extent yeah. that they were able to reach, Brothers in Christ over in, in India, down in Ethiopia, I'm sure they wow. were inviting people to contribute, especially those with whom Paul already has a relationship because he's delegating Titus to go in as his representative. So that, you know, mm. going back to the book of Acts and Philip's conversation with the Ethiopian um, yeah. treasury official, you know, why would they not send word down there? Because they know the gospel is going with him. And wow. highly, prob- highly probable, highly probable, can't guarantee it. Can't guarantee it, but definitely the word was out. And so here he is making the appeal of how can we make sure that this is, one, being done well, two, that it is being done for God's glory. So this is a good reminder for us that whenever we think about the church, it goes beyond our own walls, and it goes even across the whole world, which is part of what we're doing here. A lot of people around the country are listening to us this morning. So any last thoughts before we get to the next few verses? Well, we're, we're dealing with, again, Paul working specifically in congregations where he already has visited and talked to them so that when he comes or sends someone to them, they are able to respond knowing that they can give it into the hands of a trustworthy man or someone this person has delegated to be trustworthy. And then there's uh, the the thing we bumped into very briefly earlier. We'll pick up in the next couple of verses. It's a group of three being sent. Right, right, right. Okay, so let's, let's read the next two verses, 20 through 21, as we reflect. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. I've read a number of different things on this. Pastor, you want to start us off on the next step that he takes here? Well, the the idea that they're doing this in a way that 
God will receive the glory, of course. We take this course so that no one should blame us. Well, what are you, what are you thinking? Somebody's going to say, well, A, you didn't do your best job. You didn't send the best person. Or B, you know, there's a little bit of accounting problem here. Um, <laughs> I think this is a key thought when it comes to Paul sends Titus, brother one, famous for the gospel, and then another brother, not named. And so what we have here is in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word, fact, deed shall be established. There is a clear practicing of following God's word as the way the church operates. It's not stated as such, but it is exactly what God says. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact shall be made clear or established as true. We're sending three guys to gather so that everybody can say, well, that person just wanted that congregation there to sound better, so he said they did this. No, there are three witnesses. Who's going to get the glory? Not the three witnesses, but the ones who are giving gifts out of the great love of God that moves their heart to share God's blessings with others. And, you know, it's going back to Jesus and the disciples when they asked who sinned this man or his parents that he should be born blind. And Jesus says, wrong category of question. You're looking for blame. We're looking for glory here. Neither his parents nor his own self caused him to be born blind. He was born blind by God's design. And this puzzles us at one level. God desired this man to be born blind so that God could get glory. Whoa. That's why God lets stuff. Well, you know, sometimes scripture is explicit. Now, we can't always say that. But in this case, Paul is saying God's going to be glorified, and we want God to be glorified. And remember, he says we're not doing this might be glorified or so that only men will be satisfied. It's both that we have this statement that he says it's honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. We take this course so that no one should blame us or so that no fault will be found in what we're doing procedurally. He's focusing on getting glory to God. So as we look at at that verse 20, you know, this this is a a plural. We take this course. And, Mm. And it's not only are we taking this course, but also we're doing it this way to make sure that everything stays together. He's, I'm going to say, stacking one phrase after another. And if you take all three verses as we have them, 18, 19, and 20, it's really one powerful sentence. This is God's work in the church being glorified. So as, as Paul points out, this is all done. Not, not so much the financial accounts being to God's glory, but the action of the church being done to the glory of God. And again, it's all done so that God is glorified. And if that helps with some people asking, why isn't he naming the other two men in the letter? Well, you know, partly it's the people in, in the city to which they're going will need to know their names in writing once they're there. And the rest of us don't get to know their names because it's not part of God's glory. That's true. Sometimes the Lord that is very true. leaves. Yeah. 
Right. Or somebody right. Wrote, if it's not there, we didn't need to know. <laughs> so one of the things that you're saying so well is this connection of, well, the, the gospel message that Paul has here and how he wants it to be um, presented to the people in the glory of God. So, you know, verse nine, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. You know, that's the message. That's the focus. Now, how can we assure that that message continues even in giving? And sometimes we disconnect those, you know, where it's like, well, you know, yeah, the gospel. Yeah, but the church needs this or needs that. And we we separate it. Why do you give it to the church? Well, because we need to fulfill a budget. Well, no, he's talking here about this is the message. Now, how can we make sure that we keep that as the main message? And he does these little small things. One, making sure that they're the people who are there are representing the area, that they're gospel men who are joining him, and that they are, uh, that this is, a, he says, a generous gift. And and to say that probably means a substantial amount of money. That's my, that I read right. that, and I think yeah. that's probably true. Um, I don't, we can't guess, we can't even try to guess, but just imagine whatever a substantial gift would be today, that's what it would have been then. And I think about this, let me me ask you this question or this scenario here, Pastor, and tell me if this relates, is he is talking about being honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. This is a a loose quote from Proverbs Mm -hmm. 3. Um, And and it's good for us to think about as Christian people is how do we make sure we're doing things in good order? I was thinking about this connection, and you tell me if this makes sense or not, is I would kind of compare it to how we deal with our finances in the church today. So, for example, in our congregation, that we have money counters after church, and it's always good practice that we we try to make it, not always happens, but don't try very hard to have it that it's two different people from two different families, just so that mm-hmm. you have kind of that accountability. And um, right. so that they're more careful, and you know, everybody is, is here for the glory of God, but let's just not lead to temptation, if you will. Right now, it's a little bit unique because in our church, like we're not passing the plate anymore. And so it's in the back of the sanctuary. Right. Mm-hmm. And on communion Sundays, we, we, you know, people have it, church service is done. And then what we do is we'll have a short Bible study and then we'll invite people to come for an hour to have communion, you know, if they're not comfortable with being in the worship service. And so it's been a great mm-hmm. blessing to have people do that. But then they, then they come and they bring an offering too. So the counters grab it right after church. They go and count. And then they bring the, you know, bring the, um, bring the, the plate down. And then these people come for communion, put the communion, put the offering in. And now, you know, it's me and the elders standing there and it's like, oh, there's more money in there. Where do we take it? So we, you know, we could easily just say, let's have one person just take it up there. But we try to be, yeah. try to be very intentional about both of us going out there, putting it in the spot so no one can say, well, did you execute the money there? Did you pocket and go to Subway or what's going on? You know, those kind of things. Right. Someone gave right. cash, of course. It, was that kind of a sure. similar thing in this? I mean, it's not the same thing. I'm not trying to connect one to one, but just is that kind of a similar thing that the world would see that and say, that's a good practice. And we would say, yes, yes. it is to keep the gospel of mm-hmm. the gospel. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and I think, I think the primary, <clears throat> the primary focus then would be that it keeps a, a, um, Positive reputation, and Paul talks about this, you know, that, that one who is to be a leader in the church, a pastor, is to have a good reputation in the community, not in the mm. congregation, in the community, because that 
that reputation is necessary to keep the gospel from being, I'm going to use the word, sullied by the Hmm. sinful acts of those of us who are Christians. You do things in such a way that the opposition to the church can never be based on the church having standards that aren't as clear and open and honest as the rest of the community. Or to put it another way, we should be uh, a, a beacon of proper behavior for all people without talking about Jesus. Mm. Now, we want to be able to talk about Jesus, but the point is we should be living in such a way that before we even mention our Savior, people will say they're doing things the right way. That's a good way to do things. And the opposite of that, obviously, would be why should we listen to anything they have to say? Look how they messed that up. Wow. So we're, we're looking at the, the church by doing things openly, clearly, uh, I'm going to use the word uh, transparently. It prevents us from getting in the way of someone hearing what we have to say. Or as one person once put it, what you're doing is so loud I can't hear a word you're saying. Yeah. Wow. Let me tell this story before we move on, because I think it connects. Is One time I had a uh, a pastor friend of mine and his wife, they had just taken a call. And so they came to church at our church and, you know, between churches and so forth. And, and they were sitting there and this, this gal saw someone from our church. She's been a faithful member for years and, and they had been working together for years as well. They worked in the same, um, same area, not the same, the same exact office, but the same company. And one of the things that this gal came up to me after and said, I knew that gal, um, I worked with her for years and I, and I knew she had to be a Christian because of all the stuff that she would do, you know, <laughs> just, she would, she had integrity. She never spread a rumor, never did any of those things. And she said, I knew she had to be a Christian. So I saw her here. I said, I knew it is what she said. <laughs> so I think that relates here too, is that our yeah. lives by this grace who made us rich, right? We're poor in sin, but rich in grace that this all pours into our life where people, um, our prayer and our hope is that it extends into our work life and every other part of our lives. Yeah. Any any last thoughts before we move on? Well, I think, I think the recognition that the, uh, no one should be blaming the apostle about the generous gift. Who's going to get the full credit here. It's going to be the Christians in the congregation. It's going to be that group of believers in that community comes back to that idea that the praise and glory goes to the people of God for the good things they do. And we as pastors, this upon, I hope, frequent occasions, is we commend the congregations in which we work for the way in which they live the Christian faith. And and we do that because it gives glory to God that the group does it. We don't single out the individuals. We recognize mm-hmm. that we're doing this part of the body of Christ. And that's glory to Christ. And it's a great thing for the the community of believers to hear that what they do is evident to us as the life of Christ shown in their behavior. And they, you know, we need, we need to, to borrow a phrase, we need to praise proper behavior when we see it so that people remember what it is they want to be praised for. Very good. Very good. Let's move on to verse 22. And with them, so there's already two people, 
we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of the great confidence in you. So you kind of alluded to this, or you did say this before. Do we know this next brother? Nope. Totally unknown <laughs> to us. The, the thing is, he, he has been tested repeatedly. So Paul's saying, this guy has credentials. I don't have to name him. When you get to see him, keep in mind that we picked him because we already know he's qualified. And again, Titus will introduce these two gentlemen when they get there. You know, I've throughout my life in the Christian church, I've been very, very well aware that there are thousands, and I use that number loosely because it's much more than thousands, there are thousands of other pastors and other Christian leaders in other congregations and in other denominations whom I have never met and will never meet, and they are workmen approved by Jesus Christ. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I don't need to know their names. I just need to know that they are serving Christ as they bring the word of God to people. That's the key, that it's the servant who gives service who is praised for serving his master. He's not praised because he's a good person. He's praised because he's serving his master. Or to put it another way, praised for the, the things we give to God and his church. And Paul simply saying, here comes another one of these tried and true servants of the church, and we send him along because he's going to be a blessing to you as well. So it's, it's more than just he passed seminary Greek that he's been tested. <laughs> There's yeah, more going on here than that, you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying far more than that. And, and, and I got to tell you that, you know, the, the, the learning of languages for some people is, is fairly easy. For other people, it's, it's a real challenge. I know mm-hmm. some individuals who, who have medical degrees and at the same time say that they can't learn a foreign language. Well, okay. The, the, yeah. the way that the world arranges our, our brains and the way we learn things as, as little children influences how we can do these things. But what happens when the Holy Spirit comes along is he transforms us. And mm-hmm. he creates in us not just a new spirit, but a mind that, that is transformed. And so what we see going on here is not only has he been tested often and found earnest in many matters, yeah. He has great confidence yeah. in you. Right. Right. This is the key. This guy trusts you. He believes you can do what God's called you to do. And and this is, again, one of those subtle little ways in which Paul is building up the Christian congregation in Corinth. Earlier in the epistle, he says, if you forgive the guy, that's good. I agree. He's forgiven. We're on the same page. Let's move on. And here's some more people who have great confidence in you as God's people. They've seen the way in which you've lived in the Word and put the Word into practice in your own congregational life and your relationships with each other, and now he wants to be part of how you serve God. I mean, that's really what what we hear stated in verse 22. This Mm -hmm. guy has such great confidence in you, he wants to be part of how you serve God. That's a pretty positive statement anyway you slice it. It is. It is. Um, he says this in chapter 7, for, uh, verse 16, I rejoice because I have um, perfect confidence in you. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And now, 
this this reminds me a lot about how we as Christian people need to be able to encourage and to, uh, um, I, I guess we say, have confidence in one another. We can do this. You know, we are we are in this with Christ. It is, as you said, that God transforms us to be able to do the things he has called us to be able to do. Um, that can go with parents, I think, of little kids. It can go with our elders in our congregation um, or any ushers or anybody. I'm, I'm thinking as I'm thinking through this is that how often we tend to be critical. Well, we have to do this, but no one does it. You know, and here he uh-huh. is totally keeping it about Jesus. He speaks about earnestness, you know, that that they are they are eager to eager of active desire to do these things. And he has confidence in them because we have the Lord on our side. Thoughts on this and how this can be done in the church, Pastor? Yeah, the the work of God, who has indeed told us that Christ, you know, said, you know, going to be troubled with problems in the world, difficulties will come to you, but don't let your hearts become distressed. I told you these things so that you might have confidence that I have overcome the world. And, mm-hmm. and we find that in Paul's epistle to the Romans, where he says in chapter 8, he who freely offered up for us his only son. What, now, why would he hold anything else back? He'll give us right. everything else we need. And then he says, nothing in the created world that exists now or that's coming up next, whatever the next virus is, whatever the next pandemic is, whatever it is, none of that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now, as he mentioned earlier, the Macedonians gave not out of their great blessing, but in their poverty, they gave more. Mm. And so what we see here is the faith of God's people allows us to act on what God has promised, not on what we see. And so we're looking at his clear and simple promise is these people believe God's at work in you. So they believe this will work out fine. Even if somebody says to you, it doesn't look good. The answer is, you're not looking with the eyes of faith. God says it will all work together for good to you. And so we're looking for that to happen in this case, too. Absolutely. So let's, we have about five minutes here, just under five minutes, Pastor. Let us read the, next, the last two verses, and then we'll wrap it up. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. So he begins by commending, once again, Titus and these brothers. What is he doing here? He's saying that here we have workers for Christ, and Titus is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit, and the other two, our brothers. And you'll notice he's saying Titus and I are are identified as a, a previously connected working team. Now, here are two other guys. They stand in the same service category. They stand in the same will to be workers of God, and they are sent by the rest of the churches, messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So what he's saying is we have different categories of workers in the church. I come as an apostle. Titus is my, I'm going to use the word understudy, And so Titus isn't tied to any group of churches. He's directly under the work of an apostle. I'm not tied Mm. to a particular church. I'm the work of the whole church. 
But other individual congregations, groups of Christians, apart from us, have said, here's two more guys. We support this whole thing with Paul, but we're saying, in addition to Paul's authority as an apostle, the love and care of your brothers and sisters in Christ is coming in these other two representatives. There is a joint effort, collective identity, and at the same time, a clear distinction between Paul the Apostle and the other Christians who are not, I'm going to use the word, coerced by Paul or pulled along by Paul. They're sending the other two because they're in this as a whole group. We're in this together. You know, we, we are all in the body of Christ together. It's not like you can cut off the foot and say, okay, we got the whole body of Christ here. The foot didn't want to come, so we left it behind. No, That's right. it's the whole body. That's right. We're doing this together. And and so what Paul's then saying is give proof before the churches of your love and our boasting about you to the other two guys. Titus and I mm-hmm. already know the other yep. two are coming along so that Christ can get more glory because they're going to go back to their home churches or the congregations that sent them out and said, these guys up in the city of Corinth, Corinth, they are wonderful. They are great. They are God's people who work with us. Isn't it wonderful that our Lord has raised up his people in that city so filled with, well, corruption and, and evil behavior and disruption that the peace of God is active in the hearts of those Christians there, and they've given gifts for the good of God's people. So we see this around the world today. We don't always get knowledge of it, but it's there. God's at work. It is there, and all to the glory of Christ, as he says. Pastor Stephen Tice, vacancy pastor of Hanover Lutheran Church in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, only for a few more weeks, but helping us today in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Pastor Tice, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be with you. God's blessings to you and all those who hear. Amen. As Titus and the two other men were messengers of the gospel, so are you as his redeemed people. Be earnest in care and service to others, all to the glory in the name of Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finnern, Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.